0: At paypal.me forward slash HPO pod. The link to both of those can also be found in the show notes. Finally, please consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Now, on to
1: the next topic. You're not, not in the same room, so I'm in different places. So
2: I'm in Panama, in uh, WIDS, in Vancouver.
1: <clears throat> so you're in Panama, Panama, the country of Panama very nice yeah. we, so we got an inter- real international crew today so yeah
0: we've got a, a widespread here <laughs> you know what i'm
2: gonna i'm gonna get my headset just so i get better audio be right
1: back. Okay. Cool. yeah i think i'm halfway i'm in southern california so i'm like halfway between you guys i think something like that.
3: What, what part in southern cal
1: uh i'm in uh orange county and laguna hills
3: so oh, that's nice down there well actually you're just due south of me 1500 miles well you're in vancouver yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah I'm at- I'm actually going to be up in Vancouver or thereabouts. I think in September.
1: Oh, nice! Are you running a race, Zach?
0: Uh, well, maybe. So there's I'm going to help out with uh, there's like a Spartan event, which isn't necessarily my forte, but uh, um, Ultra Footwear does. They they're one of the main sponsors for for that series. So they asked if I'd go up there and help out and do some stuff for that. So. Nicole and I are going to head up that way. They said we could run the race, too, so I've, I've got to be a little careful because I have a 12-hour event at the end of August and a Spartathlon over in Greece at the end of September, and that's right in the middle of it. So I'm thinking maybe not a good time to learn obstacles.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. How far, how far is that Spartan race, too? Is it like half, half a marathon or something like that?
0: Yeah, you know, I probably know just enough to be dangerous with that stuff. Uh I know there's a variety of they've got like sprints, uh, and then they've got like beast and then I, think, I can't remember I'm trying to remember what the middle one is, but it's like a it's like a five K with obstacles, a ten K and then a half marathon is the beast one, so it's kind of anywhere from five K to half marathon, if I'm remembering it correctly. Okay.
3: Cool.
0: Sense. Matt, you got a heavy duty setup there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I appreciate good audio and yeah. uh, I want people to have good audio.
0: We appreciate that too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's where the things that we struggle because we do the remote uh, you know, this remotely and so so we're kinda dependent upon sort of the guests audio equipment, I suppose, at this point, maybe. Maybe down the road we'll be able to you know, have our, have a studio and bring people in and you know.
2: <laughs> yeah
1: do the nice stuff that, that some guys have, but not, not, not quite at this point. Hey, Maybe so. Hey, um, Zach, so we're recording. Zach, why don't, why don't you let uh, – so Matt and Wade, can you guys just kind of give us a quick introduction to who you guys are, maybe one at a time, and then we can kind of get into the stuff that we might want to talk about, if you don't mind.
2: Sure. So uh, my name is Matt Gallant. I am a Canadian living in Panama, kinesiologist, degree in science and physical activity. I was a personal trainer for about a, t- a decade got into online businesses and really evolved as an entrepreneur. So when I started optimizers about 15 years ago, we started as a natural bodybuilding company, Wade's a natural bodybuilding champion. And uh, he'll, he'll elaborate more on that. And we've evolved into a digestive health company. So we focused on enzymes, probiotics, hydrochloric acid, now a new product for keto called Capex. And yeah, that's what we do. So that's the gist of it. Wade?
3: Yeah. So uh, similar to Matt, I'm just a little bit older, but uh, did exercise physiology at university and then moved on to the personal training world and won a bunch of bodybuilding championships as a, uh, unusually as a vegetarian, drug-free vegetarian, which is kind of odd. And that's how we started our our bodybuilding journey. I ran into some digestive issues though, um, and that's what kind of spawned our fascination with you know, optimizing the gut in particularly and its applications through a variety of diets. And we kind of, we kind of philosophize because we're kind of at the polar ends of the dietary universe.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm keto, but uh, keto he, he, he's or, keto. Or I'm a keto so. carnivore.
3: Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian. And um, <clears throat> we realized that there was probably genetic and enzymatic pathway issues that were related to performance, and that's why the variances. So actually, the polarities in our our choices created opportunities for us to discover a lot of different things. But I've been in keto for about 26 years. Not not nonstop.
2: I've been nonstop for four, but I started 26 years ago. So
0: yeah, I think we kind of have a similar dynamic from the the athletic side of things with Sean and myself. Uh, he's kind of a high intensity, short burst athlete, and I'm like. The run all day guy. So <laughs> you guys got the nutrition polarity and got the fitness
2: polarity.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think that's an interesting topic because you know, as, as I don't know if you guys are aware, weight. I'm you know I'm, I'm a kind of guy who promotes promotes a lot of meat in the diet, and I've seen a lot of people with uh, digestive issues, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's diet induced, which I think probably a lot of it is. Uh, for whatever reason, they end up digestively compromised, you know, with their product, with their capacity to produce hydrochloric acid and other, you know, other proteases and lipases, and some some of those things. I'm sure you guys are well aware of. And so it's kind of interesting to me to see.
2: That's what we specialize um, in.
1: Why we think it is, you know, we kind of traditionally, as a physician, you know, I, you know, you're kind of the lessest way it is. That's so normal aging. You know, you're supposed to. Well, we normally see hydrochloric acid production drop off and i would contend that that isn't normal i think that is pathology and i think i'd be interested to hear your guys' sort of thoughts around that as as you know whatever may be the the cause of it the solution to it is it permanent is it something that's reversible what do you guys do around that and then we'll talk about you know some of the other stuff that you guys are into
0: cool
2: do you want to get into that now
1: if you guys want to sure. <laughs> well, we can talk right. about my pretty uh, space, space thing behind it. I was trying to think about futuristic stuff. Cause you guys are kind of bio optimizing future size, have a little background. And so that's what I came up with today. So anyway.
2: Nice. Um, yeah. I think our philosophy is simple. You know, we're all about optimizing the body. Uh, we've chosen to focus on digestion and, you know, unfortunately or unfortunately we're all aging and a lot of these systems will certainly tend to fall apart with time or become compromised and you know how we train and our our lifestyle and our diet certainly can accelerate or slow that down however you know our attitude is we're going to hack and optimize every system we can using whatever tools are available to prevent that and you know, going back to your question about H- HCl and enzymes, you know, usually in the mid 30s, uh, hydrochloric acid and enzymatic uh, production starts really dropping off. And people start having digestive issues, and that seems to increase over time. You know, by the time people are 60, 70, a lot of people have significant digestive issues. And Wade will share a couple of surprising stats about that in a second. So, You know, how do you prevent that? How do you solve that? Well, that's where supplements come in, um, supplementing with hydrochloric acid. You know, people can also use things like apple cider vinegar, Um, basically just just not enough acid. And, you know, it's counterintuitive because a lot of people think, hey, I have heartburn, I'm producing too much acid, but it's actually the opposite. Not enough acid and then the gases that get produced open the valve and the stomach acid uh, goes up to the esophagus and creates that, that painful experience. So it, one way or another, uh, we all need acid, and you know whether we use hydrochloric acid. So we have a product called HL Breakthrough that does that, or things like apple cider vinegar. It's uh, it's the the solution. And then on, on the enzymatic side, um, especially for those of us that work out, we need amino acids, right? We need amino acids from the protein from the steaks uh, that Sean loves to eat and I love to eat. So or you know whether it's plant, you know Wade Wade consumes a lot of plant based proteins, and that's an issue for vegetarians as much as it is for meat eaters um in fact maybe even more so i think it's one of the reasons for Wade's success is that he's been taking enzymes for a very long time so he's able to break down the the proteins into usable amino acids and get them past the intestinal wall get them in the blood and it helps us recover there's, there's some mind-blowing studies on protease specifically around recovery usually cuts recovery time in half e- especially even for injuries, black eyes, things like that. So it's uh, it's a great tool in the toolbox for recovery. Wade?
3: Yeah. I mean, we're looking at, uh, this is a frightening statistic, 12, 12% of the emergency hospital visits right now are related to gastrointestinal conditions. Um, we have a profession in the medical industry that's, you know, you know, doling out, Proton pump inhibitors for acid reflux and heartburn, and if you look at the research on that you 're only supposed to be on those for four to six weeks and the contraindications from that are significant, and I think it can exaggerate conditions because you know hydrochloric acid, for example, is the number one area of our defense uh, you know to kill microbes and bacteria and pathogens and viruses, and so as that diminishes or you start blocking that with some sort of proton pump inhibitor well now you're opening the door to microbiome issues and of course there's things like you know h pylori and that that's a contributing factor then you've got you know undigested proteins ending up in the intestinal tract which is feeding bad bacteria which can create uh you know with the gut what we're starting to learn with the gut brain connection uh people stop producing the the peptide chains that makes you know their brain feel good, you know, make them feel happy. So you look, we see so many people that are suffering from depression today. And I think that's correlated with digestion as well. And we have a lot of anecdotal evidence about when people clean up their guts, all of a sudden they don't feel as depressed. Their, their moods are stabilized. Matt's got a great story about that. But my own case was, you know, here I was trying to apply a vegetarian dietary lifestyle with a meeting mentality in a high performance sport. So I was trying to do a bunch of different things. And of course you, you get some good results, you get some bad results, but the number one thing we realized is uh, protease digestion was very important. Another thing that I think was fascinating is w- Matt and I have been, I would say, as experimenters, dietary neutral for a long time. We're, we're into optimization and, and we believe through our 15 years of experience, I think we've coached over 15,000 people collectively throughout the years, is that people will gravitate to certain type of diets, and I believe they're based on lifestyle, I think they're based on epigenetics, and I think they're also based on the state of their digestive capacity, and what I mean is, is do they have the enzymatic capacity, do they have the hydrochloric acid, and do they have the microbiome that's actually going to support the diet and lifestyle that they're choosing, and this is not something we think much about when they enter into a dietary world. But if you look at the rapid advancement of food technology and how food technology has changed so dramatically just in the last 50 to 100 years, the question is, well, what is food? One thing, you know, because there's a lot of agents that have been added to food. Um, What is the enzymatic compound that's in food? Because all animals eat food that is enzyme rich except humans, because we cook our food, which destroys the enzymatic basis. And I think that's the start of the cascade now. Uh, I could go on about preservatives and chemicals and dyes, uh, herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides, which actually kill bugs through interrupting the enzymatic pathways. And then you have early dietary habits, like maybe a high consumption of sugar as a child would probably lead you to, I I believe, to blow out your... Your amylase pathways, which would make doing, say, a keto diet much more successful for the for for a person because that pathway has been maybe compromised or digestion Likewise, you see a lot of vegetarians that have eaten a vegetarian diet and then they get to their 30s and 40s and run into problems because they've blown out the pathways that 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 break down the plants, and then they say, Hey, I went to a meat diet. And so People think that going to the other diet might be the issue, but I think fundamentally it comes down to what is the mechanics that's going on, or or the biological mechanics, if you will, in their digestive capacity, because it's a single canal from your mouth to your anus, and the food is in in that tunnel, but what you've got to do is be able to convert that into energy units or building blocks, and your capacity to do that is going to determine how effective any diet is going to be for you. So
2: what you're saying is uh, all the lucky charms and count chocolate cereal I ate as a kid is the reason I love keto? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons why you've become successful that that diet has been the most successful for you.
2: Yeah, and I think you know one thing that's really interesting is just uh, genetics in general. Um, we're we're pretty big into nutrigenomics which for those of you that have never heard that term uh, you know do a 23me test, download your DNA and then use tools like prometheus and ideally get somebody who's an expert to to decode it because there's a lot of really interesting genes that um, certainly influence whether or not keto is going to be the right diet for us or vegetarian. For an example, there's you know lactase genetics, there's carb g- digestion genetics like AMI-1. There's a, a genetic that probably Wade has uh, that actually called FADS-1, that called vegetarian farmers, that actually allows them to turn Uh, plant-based fatty acids, the polyunsaturated chains into omega-3s and 6s. Uh, There's a lot of ketogenetics, you know, FAD1, FAD2, which they found a lot into uh, in the the hunters. There is the CPT1A, which is the Arctic mutation for fatty oxidation. So I could keep going on and on, but I think there is a key uh, nutrigenomic component to whether a a plant-based or a keto-based diet is the right diet for you. And the thing is, um, as a general generalization, the, the closer genetics are to the equator, you know, I live in Panama right now, but I'm Canadian. And down here, you could live off of fruits and veggies all year long. I mean, you know, if you're homeless here, you'll never starve. There's, you know, mangoes and mangosteens and things falling from the trees. So people's ability to digest carbs in general, I think, are a lot better. But those of us that have northern European genetics I think we're wired to have um, more of a meat-based, uh, carnivore-based, keto-based diet because you know, there was very hard winters that our ancestors had to live with and you know, there wasn't a lot of fruits and veggies available. So I think those are other big factors. And you know, there was a really interesting study with the worms that came out last year where they found that epigenetics got passed on 18 generations down. So we don't know what the exact number is with humans, but we know that on some level that's happening. So what your grandfather ate and did and what my grand grandfather did and ate, all of those things are probably affecting me. And then there's the gut biome, which is the probiotic side. And I think a lot of what we eat as a kid, going to what Wade alluded to, certainly helps create the gut biome. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Viome, which is, uh, we have no affiliation with it, but V-I-O-M-E. It's a great test. It's a gut health test. And it tells you based on the gut biome that you have, which foods you should eat a lot of and which ones you should avoid. And just as an example, I never really felt good eating chicken. And you know, it said on my test I shouldn't eat chicken, you know, so I don't have the gut biome to break it down. But beef is uh is a superfood for me. So yeah, I think looking at all these variables is really how we optimize our diet. Because just looking at it from a macro perspective. Um, or a diet philosophy perspective is one level, but getting down into the genetics and the gut biome and then using supplements and other tools to optimize it based on your data is really what we're all about. And I think that's where people get amazing results. So you
0: guys kind of touched on a couple of things that I found interesting. And one was kind of like, well, here's the things that I guess in theory, we're in your control, like what you ate as a kid. And you can make an argument that you're not really making sound decisions when you're in middle school. Um, and then the epigenetic side of things where it's like, you can't really help what your parents, or your grandparents did. And, um, I'm curious, uh, like Wade and Matt, did you have any experience with like, Oh, I know this is what my parents and my grandparents ate. Um, and then specifically like for Wade, did you, oh, were your parents vegetarians? Cause I, I do have like, I mean, this is totally anecdotal, but the vegetarians and vegans, I do know the ones that seem to do the best are the ones who kind of grew up with that in their household where their parents were also vegetarians or vegans, and they just kind of learned that way and stuck with it.
3: No, actually, uh, I'm I'm an outlier, (laughs) and I I see this human performance outlier, so I love that because I'm an outlier amongst outliers, We we grew up in a very rural setting, I hunted, fished, uh, we did eat a lot of organic food, which I think was certainly an advantage for us. My mom was into organic gardening before it was cool. We thought she was crazy. We didn't use microwaves. We thought she was crazy. Uh, and then turns out she was right. Um, it just was a choice that I made uh, kind of as a minor experiment for two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and then I did it for another two weeks. And then I did it for a month. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm done, which was the most radical experiment i had ever done because i up to that point if it didn't have meat in a meal i thought there was something wrong with it and that was literally in 2001 so that was 18 years ago so i just i just started as a two-week experiment and never went back so rather odd
2: one one little anecdote for me personally um is potatoes. So my, my father, my grandfather, my grand-grandfather are all potato farmers and I do carb load once a week. Um, so I really follow more of the Moro di, Moro di anabolic diet, cyclical keto, which have been for me works the best. Um, so I can eat like almost an unlimited amount of potatoes and just digest them very, very easily. But I used to go to Japan quite a bit Had a girlfriend there. And if I ate rice, I'd just get constipated. So I, I didn't really eat too much rice as a kid. So I just, that's more of a gut biome issue, I think. Um, I think I just have the gut biome to just incinerate potatoes and not eat uh, rice, you know. So those, those are just small examples. But another example, too, is that like coconut oil, which obviously is very heavily promoted on keto, obviously being from uh, eastern, northeastern Canada, uh, there's not a lot of coconuts out there. And when I eat coconut oil, my blood my blood work does not look good. So I really had to cut that down, and um, my blood work improved, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks. So I think that's another example of of you know looking at the food that you grew up with and the food that's in your environment, and saying, "Hey, uh, do I have the the enzymes, the genetics, and the gut biome to break that down, or I don't?"
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, just a couple of comments. You know, one thing. You know, because I've seen this sort of microbiome. Uh, the investment and the interest in the microbiome obviously has exploded over the last, you know, certainly half half decade or so. And one of the things I always sort of wonder about is we know that there are many things that it can that, that can impact our microbiome. I mean, it can change literally daily. I mean, our diet can change So how do we sit there and say, I'm going to take a biome sample and then say, this is what I'm supposed to eat when we know it can change, you know, every, every you know, 20, 24 hours. And so I'm just kind of a little curious on, your, the rationale behind saying that I get one stool sample and this is way I'm supposed to eat for indefinitely, or are you even saying that? Because, and then how do you impact that? And I know that, um, you know, we, we sort of, uh, have a lot of sort of assumptions about microbiome that, you know, I'm seeing in this carnivore community, because everybody's telling fiber fibers great for the microbiome, it creates alpha diversity. And I'm seeing carnivore microbiome samples, would also show great alpha diversity. Uh, without the fiber, and so we've got this sort of, uh, sort of discordant information out there with, with what's going on in the clinical results, and then also you see some criticisms about these microbiome studies where you can get three samples and they'll all be different, you know, coming from the same person at the same time, you know, in a different company. And so how do we how do we how do we make light of all that? Because it seems a little a little confusing to me.
2: No, that's a great question, and it's a question that I've asked myself, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend I've got the answer, but First of all, actually, one of the things I want to do, I got a biome test on my desk right there. Um, Based on the exact same question you just asked, one thing I want to do is actually take stool samples because I I carb load on Sundays. So on Monday, take a stool sample. Then I'm usually carnivore Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Thursday, I have a huge salad, which is still a low carb salad, but it's a salad based on all the superfoods that actually the gut biome test. And take another stool sample on Friday. So basically, take three or four biome test within the week and actually look at the variance. Because we know um, that based on the foods we just ate, that the gut biome will, certain colonies will grow and other colonies will die if we don't feed them. So like you nailed it. I mean, the, the gut biome is changing on a daily basis. I do believe though, that even if let's say the numbers go down for one colony, that as soon as you feed them, they can repopulate. I mean, we know that Certain probiotics can double every 20 minutes uh, when they're fed the right foods, so they can grow quite, quite intensely, quite quickly. But you know, I think it's really about just using the data that you have. Um, you know, kind of a fuzzy logic. Yeah, there's no, you know, if you're anal about precision, then yeah, it's tough because it's it is changing every day. But I have noticed that when I do eat the foods that the biome recommends. Um, I feel better. And I think ultimately biofeedback, which is free for the most part, is the best tool. You know? So if you eat something and you feel heavy in your stomach and you have bloating and gas and you, know, you're, you got constipation or you got diarrhea, that's your body telling you that that, that food is not good for you. Um, you know, our core belief is you should, if, if you're feeling any of these symptoms, you, you really ate something that your body's struggling to digest. And Of course, you could take enzymes and hydrochloric acid and probiotics to break that down. But I think optimally you're avoiding those types of foods. So for me, it has correlated uh, quite accurately in terms of the biome tests and my biofeedback. So that's what I go with. But I think in general, right now, compared to if we fast forward a decade from now, and we look, we compare the amount of knowledge we have about the gut biome, we're at less than 1%, right? Like it's such a complex system and there's so much to know and so much to learn. I mean, I read research almost on a daily basis about it, and we're just you know we're just starting to scratch the itch you know there's so much to know whether it's psychobiotics. I just read some article this morning about uh biome in the brain, so it's there's so much to know, uh, but I think the best attitude is just to do the best we can with the information we have and hold all information as provisional, you know, tomorrow, there's going to be new information that probably make today's information obsolete. So that's my attitude about it. Wait.
3: Yeah. For me, I always noticed, particularly when I was coaching people and you would put them on a, you know, they would come hire you for a dietary protocol or whatever. I noticed that there was typically about a three week adjustment phase. And so for example, food, may they might have found bland and not that great in the first week or two by the third week if it was the right diet for that particular person and this is just going completely on clinical what i'm doing on a a one-on-one basis we'd start to see kind of a positive acclimatization they get used to the diet they felt good on it there would oftentimes in the first few days depending on how toxic the person was or how many challenges they had there there might be um what I'd call healing crises, or an adjustment phase, or they'd get negative side effects, and then those would correct. If it wasn't the right diet, then what would happen is some of those negative side effects wouldn't go away, and we would start subbing foods out and putting in other foods until we optimized. And there was a considerable variance with people on the programs that we would find them. And Of course, that was way back before anybody was really doing testing. And Then uh, we'd notice that. <clears throat> the other thing I think is important to recognize is that Humans traditionally have followed relatively cyclical diets in history because we didn't have the food storage capacity, we didn't have the distribution channels available that we have today, grocery stores, and we certainly didn't have the array of chemicals, preservatives, and other agents. Uh, also, uh, monoculture far- farming wasn't as popular, and of course, then now you see now the emergence of things like the paleo concept and dieting. Uh, you know, and there's variants. I think the challenge is when people are trying to find out what the best diet is, is every diet I think has advantages and disadvantages. And, and that's based on, you know, what's their lifestyle, what's their goal, what's their genetics, um, food satiety, because, you know, can you maintain, you know, if you look at a traditional bodybuilding diet, would be, you know, eating five, six times a day, maybe high protein, high carbohydrates, low fat. if you go back to the old school, like, you know, I learned on, then maybe if you're kind of a, I would say a a combo or, you know, a combo training person where they're doing, you know, uh, a combination of strength training and cardio training, they might do better on a zone diet. And then as you get into the more sedentary type of lifestyles or endurance based, those people who are using, you know, lipolytic pathways and stuff like that for energy metabolism, they're going to do probably better on a fat uh, on a fat diet. If you look at the ultra endurance guys a lot of them seem to be very successful on that because they're in that fat burning state all the time and and they use, you know, ketones as their fuel. So those are all factors as well, because, you know, how many people actually, actually stay consistent with the diet quote unquote that they're actually on. I I think the variance within that is pretty significant as well, which throws out a lot of the data in my opinion, because yeah, I'm keto most of the time, but except, oh, yeah, then I'm, I'm not, or I'm a vegetarian, but I eat eggs, for example, or I'm a, a, a zone person, but I drink every weekend, of, you know, 12 beers, you know what I mean? So there's all these other things that we casually omit as influential factors on, on, on quote unquote following some sort of diet philosophy.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if they should define most, if not all diets as like a 90% uh, rate of uh, actual adherence or something like that to make it just known to the people who are watching that the chances are the person's not 100%. And there's, there's going to be the folks that are 100%, but you know, they're probably the minority.
3: The, the one thing I will say that I think is pretty universal, and that is the more whole foods that are you know not full of chemicals and preservatives and agents and dyes, I think whatever dietary kind of philosophy you're following, those tend to produce the best results in people. I think everybody can pretty much agree that it's better to have that food than say highly processed chemically laden foods and, and, and that becomes to me why you know why our company and what we do has become so important because the reality is is most of the food that people are, I mean, just think of even organics. I mean, the USDA allows 50 different chemicals on quote unquote organics. You don't know what it was, transport, that was organically grown, it might've got spray bombed. There are all these agents and almost all of them, whatever diet you're eating, is because it's gonna be on it, are dealing with a whole bunch of chemicals, a whole bunch of preservatives, a whole bunch of dyes, a whole bunch of agents that disrupt our digestive system And then you pile on top of that, most people are in a state of chronic dehydration, which affects hydrochloric acid production and also infects uh, peristaltic contraction inside the body and also increases hunger because people misidentify dehydration as hunger, which leads them to go into more of these kind of chemically laden foods, which are highly addictive to the brain, right? They're designed that way so that you consume more. So you're looking at, you know an infinite number of factors that are compromising our ability to actually take what we're eating and convert it into energy units and convert it into building blocks. And, 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 and we're not going to get away with it, No matter like get outside of that realm, no matter how perfect our diet might be because of the influence of the environmental conditions. And that's why getting your digestive system is so, so critical if you're struggling on whatever diet you're having or whatever program you're having.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, uh, I don't disagree with most of what, you know, the vast majority of what you said there with, with regard to, you know, the fact that we're eating a, a highly, you know, created diet. I mean, it's an industrial diet that has, you know, probably you know, 90% of what's on the shelves is, you know, for shelf stability. You know, we, we, we we're not designed to eat that stuff for sure. I'm all for the whole foods. Um, You know, back to, you know, the gut disruption, uh, do you, I mean, is there any idea what exactly is causing what in the gut? I mean, I I know it's, I talk about leaky gut often, about you know, gut permeability, the lack of, uh, you know, stomach acid production, you know, poor bile secretion. So, you know, there's all these things that our digestive system does, uh, reabsorption in the colon of fluid and electrolytes. I mean, sometimes that's that's a problem for people what do you do you, are we able to say what foods are causing what issues is that do we have that precision yet or is it just kind of this is a garbage and it just messes it up in general there's a
2: great test called cyrex uh, cyrex array which is probably the best allergy test um so a lot of digestive issues really come down to that you know because what's an allergy so it's a protein that our bodies cannot digest and it's such a threat that obviously in some cases, in extreme cases, it can kill people. Um, so that's why, you know, protease and the ability to digest uh, proteins is, is critical. And in fact, I just read recently that uh, the current belief is that the thing that kills supercentenarians is actually protein agglomeration in the cells. The cells just stop functioning. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a strong, a lot of strong uh, evidence that taking a lot of protease, both with food and an empty stomach is a great anti-aging uh, tool as well as for recovery. But I think essentially, whether it's gluten, right? So I mean, you take a look at gluten, obviously a lot of people have a hard time digesting it. There's a special enzyme called DPP4, which is on the intestinal lining wall. And celiacs don't have that enzyme. That's why they have such an intense reaction. But even those of us that have that enzyme there's still probably a certain reaction. And I'll give you another example, um, and this is a huge one for me personally. If I take cow dairy, not, you know, I, can, I have no problem, which is specifically A1 protein. If I have A1 protein, I have a, not, not an allergic reaction, but an, a very significant inflammatory reaction to the point where if I'm in a fat loss cycle, it'll stop the fat loss. Uh, my body will be inflamed for three to four days. Um, and, you know, if you get the blood work done, you'll actually see that in the inflammatory markers. So, you know, but if I have A2 protein, which, you know, from sheep or other animals, um, the cheeses and things like that, I have no problem. So those are examples of just avoiding foods that you have a, a hard time digesting. And then there's parasites. Um, so we have a product called uh, Herbal Parasite Cleanse. And, you know, that's one of the things HCL does. It actually is your first line of defense against parasites. So if you don't have enough HCL, then there's a stronger chance that you're going to have parasites. So I think there's a a variety of things, whether it's uh, inflammatory foods, uh, you know, foods that create allergies, parasites, and then there's bad bacteria, right? So the general consensus is that 10, 20% of bacteria are, Opportunists are bad, 10 to 20% are good, the rest are opportunistic. So certainly when you, when you get um, food poisoning, that's bad bacteria. I you know, just had a friend, I gave him some P3OM. And you know our probiotic is incredibly powerful at actually stopping food poisoning. I've had food poisoning traveling maybe four or five times to the point where I'm on the floor thinking I'm going to die. I would take 10, 15 capsules 20, 30 minutes, it's gone. Maybe I have to take another 10, 15 capsules. And it's the same thing with my wife. We have many uh, people share that uh, same experience. So, you know, whether it's bad bacteria, uh, food allergies, undigested proteins, parasites, I mean, it's usually one of those that either creates leaky guts or more serious problems. Wade?
3: Yeah, I think you covered most of the things. And again, I would just say, uh, I think a lot of the chemical agents and sedentary lifestyles, because, you know, typically, I mean if you look at the uh, World Health Organization I think it was 70 or 80 years ago they recommended 20 miles of walking a day. I <laughs> mean uh, and and almost nobody walks that distance. You'd be considered an athlete if you walked that, but that was just kind of common. So I think the adjustment in, in you know we sit in chairs like we are right now, which is not something that was quite common. The other thing is it, it's hard to underestimate the the effects of blue light and how that off uh can off you know disrupt our our circadian rhythms and again all of these things what i've noticed is there's a variance between how much it affects people on the scale and i think some of that variance is determined by maybe how compromised their system because usually our, our human system has backups on top of backups like you know here's the most efficient pathway because like kind of the second efficient pathway here's the third way you know there's we have a lot of built-in survival mechanisms in humans but most of these diseases that we're dealing with, or particularly in the digestive realm, I think, and, or then or the obesity realm or the health realm, I think, are diseases because we solved the number one problem of food, which was for throughout human history, people just starved to death a lot. That was just one of the big issues in humanity. Now, we solved that problem for the most part in the westernized world, and, but it, it created, of course, a new set of challenges, which that's why we have these podcasts. It's like, okay, I'm not here to say you know, I don't want to turn down, like I love the fact that I can walk down the street and there's a grocery store with everything in it. You know I mean? It's, I mean, if you think of our history, I think every human in history would have, if you think of all the cavemen and our ancestors and even the rent, like all the great ones. if they, you told them I got a store that's like within walking distance and I can get whatever food I want. I mean, that's just a, a dream that didn't exist. And we're, we're very grateful for that. But there is, there is some consequences to that advantage of solving those problems. Same thing as cooking. You know, cooking, we're the only species that cooks it food. Every other species eats its food in an enzymatically rich diet. So a tiger takes down a zebra, it opens up, it opens it up, it eats the entrails or the enzymes and probiotics are, are more prezealed, then it eats the carcass. Uh, a horse will go to the place where it has the, 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 the most enzymatically rich grasses to get, you know, the, the, the sprouts and things like that, which are high potency because it consumes it. If a killer whale is eating a seal, it gets all the enzymatic value with it. The advantages of cooking is that disinfectant and the ability to get more calories. Some people say that supported our brain. That certainly supported us having more calories throughout a longer period of year and the storage mechanisms. But again, that is, it's, it's got its consequences with obesity and with some of the, the conditions that we're seeing today as evidenced by what's happening in our emergency hospital visits. You know, 12, I mean, twelve percent of the visits people are people are going in for something wrong with their gastrointestinal tract. I mean, that's that's pretty significant.
0: Yeah, I think uh, if you would have gone to like ancient man and shown him the the grocery store and the ease of cooking, he would look at it as a utopia. And then the whole chronic illness side of things would have been kind of unforeseen circumstance that they maybe not, wouldn't have realized, uh, but you guys touched on something that I was going to ask about. I'm kind of interested in because I think uh, a lot of times we're talking about like the gut bacteria or should I take a probiotic or a Prebiotic or something like that. You know, the, the quick counter to that would be, well, why don't I just change my diet and try to fix it that way. But what other things and kind of how are they impacting our guts are out there? You mentioned kind of the blue light side of things, and we actually had the guys from the Juve Light on uh, not too long ago, and they were kind of talking to us about kind of red light therapy and how that kind of works with our body synergistically. Um, what about things like uh, like pollutants or like things in like, like poor air qualities that alter our gut bacteria in any way?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, go ahead. Well,
0: absolutely. For example, if you, I
3: think there's some recent studies that were demonstrating people who live in um, low air quality areas, their rate of diabetes goes up exponentially. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a dramatic rise that you're seeing something that you wouldn't think is a contaminant is severely impairing their ability to metabolize food. Now, I don't know what the specific mechanisms in that case are. I think that's still undetermined, but the evidence is certainly uh, convincing that there's something in regards to that happening, uh, I would say that some of the biggest, the biggest challenges to deal with, deal with is herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides. Uh, those are directly designed to interrupt the enzymatic pathways inside of living organisms. So you think about this, okay? If you're taking a chemical to spray on your plants, I mean, just 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 put this just basic reasoning. And there's enough spray on that plant to kill a little tiny bug. Okay. And and it's interrupting some enzymatic pathways that's essential to life. What's the chances that that's going to interrupt my life and how much of that am I going to consume over the course of a lifetime? And what are the consequences starting on a micro level, you know, starting, like, you know, maybe it comes up as I feel bloated or tired, but, you know, we're looking at these conditions. I mean, I'm, we're all consuming all of these chemical agents. We're consuming a lot of genetically modified foods that uh, we don't know if our microbiome can actually recognize and break down and digest effectively. There's evidence that that that's not the case. So we're kind of on this radical experiment phase right now of massive food production. Uh, I like what you said in, in industrial foods, if you will. Uh, and, and and then chemical agents to support the growing conditions that have never been for whether that's fertilizer, whether that's p- pesticides, whether those agents um, and genetic modification in order for them to survive. So we're we're all, we're, we're radically altering the food supply that we've traditionally had, and I don't know if our our bio, biological systems are able to adapt at that speed, maybe 10 generations from now, we'll be able to eat plastic and and microchips and and, and just be smarter and faster. But I don't think we're there right now. I think we're in a place place of rapid transformation right now.
2: There's another thing too, um, which is another form of bacteria that's not your gut biome, which is probably the grand scheme of things even more important, which is our mitochondria, right? So mitochondria are the energy cells, uh, the energy little factories in our cells, and they're bacteria. And going back to all of these things that we've talked about in this recording, they certainly affect us. I mean, again, going back to light and pollutants and a lot of the biohacking technology that I use, that people use, um, that's what it does. It enhances mitochondria. And going back to diet, um, that's really what we want to do is feed our mitochondria the right foods and you know, maximize that as much as possible. And that's why we designed CAPEX, which is designed to maximize uh, feeding the mitochondria on a keto, carnivore, paleo diet. And what it does, it has lipase, which breaks down the fats and has protease, which breaks down the protein. Then we have L-carnitine that drives the fatty acids into the mitochondria, both of the muscle and the liver. And then we have several ingredients like InnoSlim, 7-keto DHEA, which dramatically increases the mitochondria's fatty acid burn rate in the, in the liver. And you get this massive, you know, 20, 25% energy boost, which feels like a really good cup of coffee. And it lasts for eight to 10 hours. And, you know, the first time I I took the samples, it was like 3 PM. I took five or six caps and it took me three hours to fall asleep. Uh, and the next day I woke up with, you know, probably a couple of hours less sleep than I needed. And I felt great. And why is that? Because my mitochondria was was well fed. So that's another really key point. I mean, when we're talking about diet and all the, the biohacking things, is how can we optimize our mitochondria production and our and, and feed it better, make it stronger? Because uh, you know, as we get older, that's why people have less energy. You know, that's the difference between when I was 18, I could you know go drink a quart of whiskey party all night, you know, sleep four hours and function the next day versus, you know, when you're 40, 50, 60, it's pretty rough. The mitochondria just don't have the same, uh, quite (laughs) the same uh, resistance and strength that they used to have. So it's really important that we take care of that because they definitely get weaker with time, unless we do things. Anyway, that's one of the big benefits of exercise, you know, just doing high intensity training for six to eight weeks will improve mitochondria by about 50%. So it's one of the big, big benefits of of exercise
0: in general as well. Now for a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast is brought to you by BioOptimizers and their patented probiotic P3OM. They are so confident in their product, they offer to provide HBO listeners a no questions asked, no forced continuation, and nothing to cancel free bottle of P3OM, which is paired with their already in place 365-day money-back guarantee on all their products. A little about P3OM, BioOptimizers has coined it the Navy Seals of Probiotics. The reason being is 99% of over-the-counter probiotics do not colonize in your gut. In fact, most studies show that most probiotics on the market simply pass through your system and do nothing. What makes P3OM different is that it's proteolytic, meaning it digests protein, it's antiviral, antiretroviral, and eliminates pathogens and waste, and is maintainable in the human digestive system. It's not meant to colonize. Once in your body, the P3OM super strain doubles every 20 minutes and helps get rid of bugs like parasites, viruses, and other harmful pathogens and is in and out of your system within three to four days. It uses just one proven probiotic strain that's so effective it's been patented. So how do you get your free bottle of P3OM? Go to www.p3om.com forward slash performance free, and you will automatically get access to your unique coupon code to claim your free bottle. All you must do is cover shipping, limit one per household, offer is valid while supplies last. Now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say that most people, I mean, there there's an optimal lifestyle and it's safe to say that most people don't live it. I mean, you know, like I said, even I struggle and I've got, you know, and I make a point to do things that I think are appropriate, which is exercise, eat well, sleep well, you know, expose myself in the, in the sunlight and that's not always easy to do every day. And so sometimes uh, I can see where, you know, some people need some some support sometimes I, you know, as a general rule, just to be completely transparent i'm not much of a supplement person i i've you know i've been lifting weights for 40 years you know i'm 52 and i've been doing this stuff forever and i've seen them come and go and i remember when chromium pecanolate was a thing and you know we, we all the you know the metabolol and all these protein powders and you know you see them come you see them go and you kind of just you know i i can say the creatine seemed to have been pretty efficacious i mean i use that and i did see an objective uh and so my, my barometer for when people talk to me about supplements, I'm you know, I tend to tell them, you know, you, you, you need to notice an objective, an objective change. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, not just did it do anything and you're wondering. And so I'm just wondering, uh, you know, I've seen some good, some decent information around L-carnitine. Of course, I'll point to the fact that meat's got, it's got a lot of carnitine in it. And I think that's some of the, some of the benefits for there. Not, not everybody's on a carnivore diet and not everybody's getting five grams of creatine and, Whatever amount of carnitine in their diet, and so and I, I don't pretend to think that most people will be. I think most people are on a deficient diet, and therefore, uh, and, and by choice. I mean a lot of, but whether it's financial financial necessity or taste or cultural pressure. I mean we're in a, we're, we're we we live where we live. You know we can't all afford to you know live on a pristine mountainside and hunt our own food and, and do that stuff. And so you know there's some realities of what's going on out there. What do you guys say to um, I just, this digestive stuff, this is really fascinating to me because I see people that come into, uh, you know, the diet that I tend to promote with with poor stomach acid production. I do see it seem to get better with time, with less exposure to garbage. And and I don't know if you guys feel that, and I usually, in in that case, you know, say somebody's either got the symptoms of a low stomach acid production, we verified it through a breath test or some other situation, I find that supplementation uh, has been beneficial, but then with a period of time, they often no longer need that. What is your guys' opinion on using these supplements as a as a transition tool?
2: Yeah. I mean, when people have... Uh, you know, I have two friends personally that both had uh, stomach acid issues and they took the HCL for about two months and then they haven't used it since and all the problems were gone. So... I don't know the exact mechanism or how things are getting repaired. I know one guy was on medication, and as soon as he got on the medication, uh, he had massive stomach acid issues. Um, so, you know, there's certainly, there certainly were some complications there. On the enzymatic side, um, that seems to not, you know, again, just the research says and experience says that, that goes down with time and, you know, supplementing with enzymes is a smart move. And the cool thing with enzymes too, you feel them. I mean, if you go, <laughs> if you go have a huge meal and you're bloated, which most people would be depending, again, if they didn't eat food, that's optimal for them. And you take enzymes within 15 to 20 minutes, all bloating symptoms are gone, which is a great, you know, it's a great benefit. So, you know, so do you know that they work? Um, same thing with hydrochloric acid. I mean, again, it's very quick, but yeah, to answer your question, probably I don't have any, again, I don't understand the mechanism of why things are being repaired, but I have seen that with a couple of people, that I know personally. So.
3: Wade? Yeah. I think there's some, some really interesting information in Dr. Edward Howell's food enzymes, food enzymes for health and longevity and, and enzyme nutrition. And, one of the things that they notice is that humans um, per body weight have a pancreas that's four and a half times the size of any other species. And I think that's directly related to the cooking of our food. We require a lot more distillation. And so I'll give you to further Matt's condition. I have what I call the, the Turkey dinner syndrome. <clears throat> you know, everybody's had the Turkey dinner syndrome where they stuffed the massive amounts of food and they went back for the second round. Then everybody's all of a sudden laying on the ground, depressed out, drooling, you know, everybody's kind of going for the couch or the floor. Well, if you looked at it from, you know, and how most diets just look at things, they, they look at things of, you've just put an incredible amount of energy units into the body, an incredible amount of building blocks. How come you're not able to go out and run a marathon? You know, like you, you, you should have all this energy. So that's a real simple way of indicating it's not about what you eat. It's about how you convert what you eat into those. Energy units and those building blocks that you require, and the evidence I think certainly anecdotal and and, and now now becoming scientifically validated when you look at the recovery levels of people who are using proteolytic enzymes versus the people who don't. Um, I've also used that uh, with people who um, were in severe car accidents. Um, I've had a number of patients that came to me who were, one of my first ones started with my aunt who was in a car accident, had her spine shattered. She was hit on a snowmobile by a car. And wasn't, it was, you know, she was in the halo and everything. They expected her to be there for eight months. Uh, we put her on massive dosages of proteolytic enzymes, uh, a particular amino acid in the probiotics, probiotics and, she, and, and a high mineral content in her diet. And she recovered at levels that the the doctors hadn't seen, and she she said she could actually feel it when she was in the hospital in that compromised state. And that's, of course, anecdotal evidence, but if you take something like, even if you want to get more technical for those on the scientific time, look at the spectra cell micronutrient test. Just taking, let's say we all have the same amount of zinc in our diets, all four of us here. Well you can bet the ability for us to absorb and utilize that zinc is going to vary significantly between those people. And that's why things like the Spectracell micronutrient test is so excellent because we are now getting tests that demonstrate that, Hey, we don't all absorb the same foods very well. We don't get the same nutrients as well. We don't do this. And I think the big, the big empty space in people's minds, is because there's just been a basic assumption if i put it in my mouth it goes into my body there is a very complex uh process that's going on in order to convert that food into usable units period and the reality is uh 12 i'm going to hit that number again 12 percent of people going to gastrointestinal realize that we're not doing a good job and 95 million americans on a given day are suffering some some form of digestive distress you know, they're feeling bloated, they got acid reflux, they're on medications, they're on whatever. So to me, that's enough evidence to demonstrate, hey, it's not working. What we're currently doing under the current conditions for a lot of people, and then of course, we've got you know, or, you know well over 50,000 people who work with us um, as clients that said, hey, I took these products, I had this problem, it went away. And so that's what makes Matt and I so confident about the efficacy of what we're doing. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of gamma or or chromium picolinate, those kind of old bodybuilding things that were in the magazines. I get it. Those, I think those are the shyster days of supplement. And there's still lots of shyster supplements out there. Um, but I think there's great companies doing great things that are able uh, today to provide. I, I would say 5% of the companies on the marketplace today for some reason have had to to fix an itch that they had as you know and kind of scratch the itch and have solved that problem and are and are helping a lot of people and I think that's a that's an exciting field
1: for you know for whatever reason and, and it, you know kind of confusing me at this point in my life some people like eat a lot of vegetables you know I'm kind of you know what I'm just kidding there but um, what do you guys think about different diets? Because you know, if I look at you know, and one of the criticisms you know that people that follow this carnivore diet will talk about, you know, if you're eating you know high fiber diet or high vegetable diet, there are a lot of there are a lot of compounds in there that will block absorption. You know, we know that phytic acid will hang on to zinc and magnesium and calcium and iron and so on, and we'll see fiber itself tends to do that. And so, how do you guys? I mean, are there supplements you guys? Tailored towards nutritional stress. So, weight as a vegetarian, would you take something different than Matt would, as a meat-heavy keto guy? Is there is there is there a difference in the way you guys approach supplementation in those scenarios?
3: Yeah, for for absolutely. I mean, your your dietary supplementation needs to kind of address the deficiencies in your diet. And I'll give you a great example in my own life, and you know. I experimented with the ketogenic diet and I just couldn't do it. I would, as a vegetarian, like as a vegetarian keto, and that's not a full keto, I guess, that some people do. And as soon as I cranked up my fat intake a little bit, I'd get fat in the stools. Like, you know, I, I would just see the oil there, you know, and I'm like, okay, this isn't working. I didn't feel good. I always struggled. And I think that the reality is, is, you know, once upon a time, I, I, I ate a very low fat intake. Uh, for a long period of time, I got myself to very low body fat levels in a, in a high performance thing. I think that had some certain, some damage that was done to me. I also compromised my, my I would say some of my my fat burning capacity or my fat metabolism capacity, I should say, correct myself, through, profus- you know, I, one time I, d- I used a lot of drugs that has an effect on your liver and metabolism and I never felt good on it. And then Matt and I used to talk about this because, you know, he, he didn't really feel good on the diets that I felt and, and, and he was very strong that way. He had a high sugar diet as a kid. So I, that's where we kind of illustrated that. And then, of course, we have, you know, you do cell nutrient tests and you realize that, well, you know, your genetics are this and that doesn't go. So I think that without getting into, the, you know, you can't we can't make blanket statements for people. They need to get the data for them and start working backwards from that and getting a professional in their life to get out of that and and start combining the professional observations and the scientific data with their own biological observation. How do I feel at this time? Do I have energy? Am I gaining fat? Am I losing fat? Am I able to hit the gym? Am I not able to the gym? Is my brain on or is my brain off? Those are very simple things. And you start correlating it with data. You start to get your kind of feel for things. And, and of course, um, essential fatty acids was really tough. And then, and then Matt, who spent just a ridiculous amount of time working on this Capex product that, that's coming out soon. I took that, I started, not only did I not get fats in my stool, I started craving fats. Like my body was like, now I'm starting to get fats. And I, I, my fat intake went up just using that because of, I think it was because of the the various lipases that were involved in that product. I don't know it's too early to tell, um, but that was my first response. And I'm excited about doing some more of these tests to see what happens, you know, six months from now. And it, it, am I getting a different level of absorption in nutrients? Cause we can track this over time.
0: Well, Wade, what you said too, I think is important It's a topic we've hit on from time to time on this podcast is like, you know, with our current standard of care, you often go in and you get prescribed the medication with no real, you know, follow up in terms of what else should be doing from a lifestyle standpoint. So like having that professional there saying, well, what is your biofeedback giving you? What's your body telling you? This is the adjustments you can make is I think the big missing piece of the puzzle in our current state of kind of health and nutrition.
3: Yeah, and I had the advantage too because I got into uh, athletic pursuit at a relatively young age and I got into the bodybuilding world. And as your body fat goes down significantly, I do believe that you become far more highly sensitized about the effects of food. Uh, you can see it, and you know, you guys are both high performance guys, and so you understand your, your, your ability to tune in and say, what would I call, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones out there in the world, is probably a little bit more sophisticated. I believe if you look back maybe a few hundred years ago when people were living in a wild, you know, zero Wi-Fi, zero advertising, zero industrialized cosmopolitan world, I, I would suspect that those individuals were very highly tuned both to their environment externally and internally as well. And I think those are those are things that have allowed me to have a little bit more advantage. Matt's been the same way. He might comment on that as well. Like I've been tracking biofeedback since my teens. And so that gives me a distinct advantage. And then also I have a a high performance exercise routine all the time that is giving me feedback at the higher ends of performance brand. And I think those those, you know, you, sometimes you don't notice if the wheel's loose at 30 miles an hour, you, you're definitely going to notice at 60 and you're into the wall at 100. And you guys are both guys that take the car to 100 miles an hour. So, you know, you know collectively speaking. So yeah, Matt, you want to comment on your side of that? Yeah, I think there's seven main
2: keys to really, you know, biologically optimizing your diet for you, you know, for the listener. And you know, one is sustainability. And I think you know, sometimes we lose track of the fact that we're kind of uh, an elite group. You know, just statistically, only 10% of people can stick to a diet. So if we look at that stat and say, okay, well, 90% don't have either the mental discipline or the, the right mindset or whatever it is to actually stick with the diet uh, or with most diets. And I think sustainability is always where you want to start. I mean, ultimately, the diet that works is the one you can stick with. So that's just something I want to mention the second related to that is obviously lifestyle. So, you know, if you're an athlete and your entire life is dedicated to high performance, uh, it's one thing, but a lot of people have businesses and they travel a lot. So, you know, and, and for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm more, I consider myself an entrepreneur, even though I train hard and I do all kinds of things. Um, so for me, it's really about optimizing that for that, but to get into the nitty gritty third is is genetics And, you know, genetics is interesting because obviously there is what we're born with, but then there's epigenetics. So we're born with genetics, which say, okay, there's a strong likelihood that that's how we're going to be. But then there's epigenetics, which are changing every second based on the food that we eat, the environment, the air I breathe, the emotions I'm feeling right now. Uh, There's a great book written by my friend Dawson Church called The Genie in Your Genes. It's probably, probably the best book on the topic that I'm aware of. So there's a lot of interesting things that are constantly happening. Um, And again, you know, for example, weight dieting down to super low body fat levels, not eating fat, probably changes epigenetics. And now his ability to digest fats is not as good. So that's just an example. And I'm sure there's all kinds of examples of myself. Fourth is allergies. So that's where the Cyrix test comes in. And when people think about allergies, they think of extreme situations. You know, I ate fish and I went to the hospital, but, there's like micro minor levels of allergic reactions, which still affect us. And, you know, you could, if you actually did an HRV test after every food that you eat, you could actually start to see that correlation. But, you know, Cyrex is probably the best one. Five is the gut biome. Six is biofeedback, which, you know, we've talked about. And seven is your goals. So, you know, if I'm trying to build muscle mass, uh, I need more enzymes, you know, the biggest, yeah, I'm friends with Ben Pakulski, who was, was, you know, one of the best bodybuilders of the world, not that long ago. And, you know, he told me the, the toughest thing was the food, you know, and I've heard a lot of other, uh, you know, top strong guys, top strong men, and um, I'm friends with Elliot Hulse and bodybuilders, you know, when you have to eat four to 10,000 calories a day on a daily basis, it's pretty rough. Um, your body goes to the point where your, your ghrelin's in the gutter and you just don't want to eat. So Enzyme's an incredible tool in those situations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I had dinner with Ben Pekulski the other day, and uh, Elliot was on our show just for, like, the last show we did, I think, was Elliot Hall. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting that those names come up. But one thing that I, that I do like that you guys have mentioned is the fact that, you know, listening to actually the body, because I see a lot of people where, you know, because we have so much access to information, whether it's HRV numbers or you know, the myriad of tests we now have access to. And we can take all these tests. And I, I see it all the time. People come to me with this or that lab test. And it doesn't match at all what their clinical presentation is. And so I think you have to realize that while these tools can be helpful, they're they're not the, the the only answer. Not the they're not the answer sometimes. And so if you have some sort of concordance where, you know, hey, I feel a certain way and and these sort of other tests I'm doing sort of correlate with that, then then I think it's it's uh reasonable to maybe pursue that but I see too many people that don't put things into context and I think that's a problem most people you know they, they can't put the big picture together and so talk to me a little bit about your company in general because you know I, I'm you know I'm hearing you know you've got some products but also you're saying you've got people that you're evaluating at the same time is that what I'm hearing that you have a, some 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 way you recommend people be evaluated and then, and then they tailor the approach based on you know the seven factors you talked about
2: we have not um opened that to the public so we do work with some people sometimes but we're as far as the coaching side so we've we're really focused right now on the supplement side but in the next year or two we are planning on um, opening that up more Uh, we do have a nutrigenomic expert that can do that part which is very very rare there's very few people on the planet that can do that She's one of the best of the best. Um, So, yeah, our our company is called Bioptimizers. We focus primarily on fixing digestion. So from everything from, again, heartburn to high performance on the mass which are new capex for people in carnivore, is a game changer. Uh, To Gluten Guardians, if you want to have a gluten once in a while, pizza, bread, uh, that's the one I I use the most on Sundays when I eat carbs. To constipation, we have a constipation product. To Parasite, Herbal Parasite Cleanse. So we have kind of the whole suite of digestive products. Uh, that's where we've chosen to focus. And yeah, we've been around for 15 years. We have one year guarantees on all of our products and people are experiencing uh, life-changing results, both from, you know, if we look at health from a spectrum and we say health is in the middle, normal health, you know, you have sickness on, on one side and then you have super health and high performance on one side, which is what you guys are about. So. You know whether we're moving people from sickness to health, or we're moving people higher on the high performance side. Um, you know it, it, that's what we're all about. So, it's for well, me,
1: and You know, because I, you know there's obviously a lot of places people can spend their money, and people have a finite amount of resources. And so, I'm just trying to think if if we say you've got this is your product line, and how do I know if is there some way I can sell this is going to be successful for me ahead of time? Like I can get some. Uh, you know, genetic testing, or I can get some uh, mineral analysis. I mean, rather than just kind of these are vague symptoms, I don't know what they are here, throw this product at it. Is there a more refined way to go about like, if, if I were saying, okay, you know, I've got some issue, you know, maybe I'm not digesting stuff. Well, how would I how would I solve that problem, you know, and then assuming that one of your products is the answer? I mean, what would you recommend people do? How would they approach that?
2: A lot of it's pretty self evident. So for an example, um you know, Massimes, which is our best-selling product, which has been around for 14 years. That product is awesome, again, for any athlete, whether like Wade, who's a vegetarian diet, it's, it's got more protease per capsule than any other enzymatic formula. There's also other ingredients that transport. So that for that, Our Capex for people on keto or carnivore or paleo is, is the new answer. Uh, again, people that want to be ill gluten. So a lot of itself, self evident. if you have hydrochloric acid issues, heartburn, GERD, then the HCL breakthrough. Um, I mean, ideally, if you have a naturopath or a doctor or a physician, they could probably give you more specific advice on, you know, here's your data, here's your symptoms, here's the right answer. Um, again, we're not offering that service, but a lot of it's pretty, again, you don't need a test to tell you that, hey, if you're keto, Capex is the right product eating a lot of protein or if you're a vegetarian, I mean, mass is a, is a lifesaver because you, you can really get the amino acids from the plant proteins. Uh, Wade, anything you want to add?
3: Well, I always think that you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet period. Um, and one of the things that we found, cause we get the whole range of people that come to the company, you know, from the most, you know, I, I would say the, the people on the higher, the highest ends of, of, of research and development, whether that's like, you know, a Ben Greenfield or a Ben Polkowski or that sort of stuff, till we get, you know, the 75-year-old that's been suffering from IBS for the last 30 years. So that's, a, that's about a really, really wide variance. <clears throat> what I would say, though, you can't, uh, getting a naturopathic doctor, not necessarily a medical doctor, I think a naturopathic doctor is better schooled In these specific areas there are some medical doctors now that are going down that route and and, and it's expanding and you're starting to see more data but somebody that's really versed on the dietary components in conjunction with maybe your digestive health situation so there are experts in both fields but you just see it more often in the naturopathic doctor field because it's been a gap in conventional medicine those having that expert to kind of guide you is really important Uh, But what we have found, you do a 90-day gut reset. Um, I'll give you a a story. I got turned on to this whole thing because I had tried to apply a meat-eating mentality to my performance parameters when I was going for the uh, Mr. Universe contest. And I was consuming like 250 grams of whey protein a day uh, because I was a lacto-vegetarian. I didn't take eggs. I I just used that. After that contest, I gained forty-two pounds of fat and water in eleven weeks. I, I literally went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow, and that's when I found my mentor, who was, who was a medical doctor who, who started sharing me. Said, "Wade, you learn to build the body from the outside. You, you learn to build the body from the outside in. I'm going to teach you how to build the body from the inside out." I went on his three-month protocol. Both Matt and I did that at this at that time. And the performance parameter, like how I felt, how I functioned, how I operated, was all the evidence I need. Now, I did take a massive amount of product during those 90 days, like, you know, probably frightening levels on a a retail purchase level. But it worked and it worked extremely well. And I was like, how did I not know this being a high performance athlete for, you know, over a decade for literally 16 years I'd been competing for. Uh, I had the best coach in the industry uh, from a performance parameter, Scott Abel. Uh, He's coached over 400 champions in the space. I had absolute Spartan discipline. By all accounts, here I was, you know, 31 years old doing everything right and had such a massive problem because I just missed this piece. And it turned out to be a blessing. That's what kind of dove us into this research. We found it. We started using this on ourselves. We started using it on our clients on a one-on-one basis and and then on a grander scale, when we, we did the, the Freaky Big uh, Naturally program way, way, way back in the day, we, and we got a lot of data, and the results were self-evident. It was like people would do this, they would feel better, and, and then they would just go on a maintenance diet every now and then. Like, you know, they would take their dosages down to a maintenance level, just enough to kind of serve their diet, and that was it. And so from that, uh, we decided that it was our mission in life, you know what there's a bunch of people that can be helped we're not going to compromise anything else as far as you know i i I know all the dirty tricks in the supplement industry I, i know the shenanigans that go on to it and we said you know this is an area that we can we can own that we can help people that we can make a difference and we committed to that and the beauty of it is our company removed all the risk you know people buy our products if it doesn't work if they don't feel amazing if they don't love it we give them their money back it's just it's just that simple it's really easy in fact if they take a product that they that they think is going to deal with this a, a situation it doesn't work they call our numbers and they say you know what you took the wrong product we're going to send you a free bottle of our this one we think that'll work and if that doesn't work we give them their money back so we kind of turned the the, the whole supplement game upside down because we do realize it's a red ocean of dirty shenanigans we said, "You know what? We're not going to be those guys. We're not going to play that game. We're playing the long game. That's why we've been around for 15 years. Now, the company has been growing exponentially because people like you guys who are on the cutting edge, on the bleeding edge, that are looking at the outliers, that are looking at these things, there's a reason why all those company, people are coming to us on their podcast. They're hearing about our products, they're hearing about our company, they're seeing the results. Very uh, high level people are recommending and suggesting it. The biggest influencers in the industry have felt the difference. And that's just a testament for Matt and I playing the long game and, and really caring because, you know, at the end of the day, money's wonderful and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, we, we actually paid ourselves in supplements for over a decade just because we just wanted to get the mission out. Uh, it, was our, it was our passion project and a, and a company formed out of it. So we felt really lucky about that.
1: Hey, just uh, as a public service announcement for those people that don't know, uh, you know, because you talk about the sort of the shenanigans or the dirty tricks of the supplemented, Can you can you just kind of outline some of the ones that people may not be aware of so they don't get burned by uh, some people that might not have the most uh, ethical uh, uh, you know, belief system?
3: Yeah, I'm going to tell you a couple. I'll, I'll start with the story. Years ago, so I, I've been on every level of the supplement industry. I mean, literally, I've owned my own store. I've been a, uh, an advocate. I've been a sponsored athlete. I've manufactured. I've, uh, I've worked in a warehouse. During, I've worked in retail. I mean, we've designed them together, Matt. Like We've done all levels. And so I, I think I'm, I can speak to this clearly. Years ago, I was commissioned by a group of people to write a book called Fat Burners for Dummies. And that was like literally in around 2000, remember the dummies books. And I was hired to do that and I put together what I felt was a, a comprehensive book. And then they, what they do is you send it off and they get it dumbified, right? <laughs> so people don't know that, but that, that's, that's a little inside tr- track. I was then flown, um, so I was excited about it. I was kind of naive, I was excited. Oh, I'm gonna get to design this, this is really great. It's really cool. And then I would, the, the people that were putting this project together uh, took me on a series of trips. One was to a major, uh, Ivy league university in California. That, uh, and he, the person who was head of the department there suggested to us, that they could do a scientifically validated study for the price of a hundred thousand dollars that would approve the effic- efficacy of our products on bugs. And we would use that as as the basis of it was validated and i i was like i remember the feeling i had when he told me this i was like i don't know this doesn't seem right being naive we then flew to southern california because it was in the northern part of california we went to the southern california and we went to a manufacturing plant that was producing about 30 percent of the industry now the phd you know we get the lab coats on we get the stuff we go through the warehouse I'm talking to the guy there and uh, we, we go through the whole lines of how you, you see how everything's produced. And I asked him, I said, so which products are you using? And he's like, I don't use any of them. <laughs> like, well, well, why? He goes, Oh man, I'm getting this stuff from China and Mongolia. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what the microbes are. We're just blending it up for people and turning it out. And then the final stage was we, we went to uh, to meet with the people who were financing the project and the conversation was nothing to do with product quality. It had nothing to do with the ingredients. The conversation was solely about the margins and how much they could make and where they could get distribution. At that point, I stood up in the meeting and said, I'm out. I'm totally out of this. I cannot do this. I, I will not do this. And then I left that. Now, over the years since that time, that was way back in 2000, that was before we had our company and stuff, I had a similar mentality about uh, uh, wariness around nutrient supplements. And like you, the only thing I had ever seen work was creatine, you know, for me. And uh, from that time, I got to learn the ins and outs and, and discover, you know, little pockets of people, mostly that had solved a serious medical condition. They had some sort of disease, some sort of dementia, whether that was- you know, Doctor Udo, way back in the day, who had, you know, been poisoned from chemicals and recovered from fats. Uh, you know, whether it was, you know, someone who, you know, was, you know, almost dead and dying, and then and then they started populating their body with bacteria cultures, and I could go on and on and on about these stories. And so, what I usually found was the people who were making a difference had some horrible, straight condition that screwed them up on some level. They couldn't get the answers from the medical profession they turned to kind of radical experimentation, discovered something and went deep on that product to ensure product quality and, and, and non-contamination. So those are the issues. Those are some of the issues. Packaging, uh, how you package it, how you store it. Um, the agents that are included, does it have fillers? You know, does it have uh, chemical agents that are you know, detrimental to your health? If you can't pronounce What's in the product? <laughs> you know, that's usually a, that's usually a red flag uh, for people uh, when they're getting stuff. If it's got all these funky colors, like blue dyes and red and all that sort of stuff, I mean, you just look at the the negative consequence of those things. I think those are, those are dangerous products to consume on a long term basis. Those are the, the the simple things. So again, and then again, if you go to uh, unfortunately, uh, when you're into the retail world. Oftentimes you're getting educated by a consumer or, or an agent that's not really qualified, doesn't understand the products have been just, you know, given a kickback to, to promote one of the particular products or they they're friends with the guy that came in or they enjoy the shake. And so you're not necessarily getting the right uh, advice. And typically my experience is you want to go with the gold standard in any particular supplementing, you, you know, if you've got a hundred dollar probiotic and a $10 probiotic, the chances of a $10 probiotic is going to work is pretty low because those guys are generally fighting a, they're a race to the bottom. Uh, excellence is its own reward. It stands. It's the test of time. And when it comes to your body, you can't replace it. So I always choose excellence first and see if it works.
2: I can share a lot of dirty secrets on the marketing side. I've been doing marketing for 22 years. Uh, so I'm very aware of all the tricks and, and just as you know, let me start with this. There's two categories, which are two of the biggest categories that I would say forget about it. One is testosterone. The other one's fat loss. Um, I actually tried for about five years that I have a lab, you know, a, a blood lab, literally a four minute walk from my house. Um, I tried every single testosterone boosting herb that, you know, people claim would work. Nothing moved the needle. I did find a couple of things that worked on estrogen, which is interesting. Um, but for testosterone, nothing really needle. Same thing with fat loss. I mean, obviously it's been one of the biggest product categories, you know, and yeah, there's things that will enhance it by maybe 10%, right? But, you know, if you're still on a calorie deficit, you're still not exercising, like it's not going to save you. There's no magic fat loss pill and there's no magic testosterone pill. So let's just start with that. Um, but on the marketing side, yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans. First of all, uh, most people that are, Endorsing products, don't use them. That's one. Two, you know the before and after pictures, and that that certainly gotten tired. You don't see those as much because, frankly, I know for a fact they don't work like they used to. Um, what a lot of people do, they get you know ripped and shredded for a show, and then it was actually called the reverse before and after. They just blow, <laughs> they start eating, blow up, kind of like what happened to Wade with the 42 pounds, and then take pictures and then say that was. The, so, you know, and of course, just lighting pump. I mean, you could transform in, in 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of, there's actually, there was a YouTube trend not that long ago of people doing that. Um, so, you know, you can't really trust the pictures. The other thing too, that's really common just to kind of piggyback off Wade said, I think the most common thing, it's easier than ever to create a supplement. You know, the, if you just Google white label whatever name of product you want to do, there's somebody that'll stick a label on it. Um, we've always avoided that. We you know, want to create either the first in class or best in class, which requires certainly more research and finding the right people to work with to create that product. So it's a lot more work. And, you know, then there's always a the decision around the quality of the ingredients or the, or the quantity of certain key ingredients. And I know for a fact, because I'm friends with a lot of supplement company owners that our margins are a lot lower than the most. But our attitude is we will make more money over time because people will get the results that they want and they'll buy it again versus buying something that doesn't work and not buying, right? There's really nothing more expensive than something that doesn't work. So those are just some of the things. I mean, I could go on and on about just shenanigans and marketing. And it has gotten a lot better, I think, you know, I was reading bodybuilding magazines 25 years ago, and back then it was a lot of crazy claims and lies and all kinds of things. Um, you know, the FDA, and now, really, on the dirty, dirty side, I think it was about a year and a half ago that over a hundred supplement companies got busted for two things one, either putting testosterone in their formulas and that that's an old trick there's a lot of companies that i know for a fact been doing that for a long time um so that's an old dirty trick actually putting steroids basically in the product or two it had none of the things that they said it had so those now now we're really getting to the dark side but i think these days that's a minority but there was a hundred companies that got busted it was a huge huge deal like the fda d dea ftc uh, everybody got involved, and uh, a lot of people are in deep trouble or or in prison because of it. So, yeah, just some of the things to be aware of. But yeah, it's um, I think it it has gotten a lot better than it used to be. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, one of the concerns in general about this supplement, is it doesn't fall under USDA, and so there's kind of not a real good regulatory body. At least I'm not. You know, I mean, there's some independent labs and stuff. You might have to volunteer yourself to go to these guys. I know, like was it uh, Orrin Hatch out of Utah and Utah was a big supplement cut and they fought like tooth and nails to regulate the supplement industry and so it's relatively still the wild wild west in there so what, what sort of uh, thing can someone look for if they're interested in buying supplements to give them some reassurance that, that's what's on the label is actually in the bottle and you know the, the, the claims that they're making have actually been sort of validated where can somebody go to find that information?
2: I mean, one is certainly asked for a certificate of analysis. So, you know, we, we get our products tested uh, each time and yeah, I mean, that's one. Um, two, I mean, look at the research, look at the, the studies and I know, and being able to actually read studies and I mean, there's one level of reading the study, which is get the big point, but a lot of studies aren't uh, very well done or, or aren't very valid. So, Learning how to read studies, if you really want to get deep into it, is, is one of the key skills and it requires a certain level of, of intellect and time to do that. But if you really want to make sure that's the other thing. Um, and then, yeah, just testing it. You know, I mean, ultimately, like you said, if you're trying a product, uh, going back to biofeedback, does it work? Does it not work? And if it doesn't work, uh, send it back. You know, I mean, our refund rate is well below the industry average because people get results, you know, and if it doesn't work, then they can call us, get a refund, we give them a year to get their money back. Um, so that's the other thing too, you know, is it do they have a good money back guarantee uh, and do they have good customer support? So, you know, we pride ourselves on giving people a world-class experience, both on the product side and a customer support side. And even if they don't get results, which is rare, um, we'll give them the money back and questions asked. So.
1: Hey guys, can you, because I'm just, I don't know what all you offer. I mean, you've kind of mentioned some things. Can you kind of go through like maybe category by category and just kind of what it is, what it does, you know, maybe list sure. the group, major groups of your products. Just so we know, cause I, I'm, you know, I, it sounds like you got a number of things going on just for the sake of clarity for people that might want to uh, look into your product.
2: Yeah, we'll focus on the best sellers. And I think the most relevant to your audience um, so first is Masson, which again is our best seller been, been around for, 14 years. So that that is perfectly designed for really anybody, any athlete. Uh, It's a full spectrum enzyme formula, 17 different types of enzymes, but really, really heavy on the protease. It also has an ingredient called astrazyme, which helps transport up to 66% more aminos through the intestinal tract, which is what matters, right? Because going back to if you break it down and you just crap it out uh, and it doesn't go through the intestinal tract, and it doesn't really do any good. So it's a, it's a great product for recovery, for muscle building, for strength gains, for just overall digestion. Then we have uh, P3OM, which is our single strain probiotic. It is patented. You can read the patent and the patent, you will see that it is antiviral, antiretroviral. It is proteolytic, which means it helps break down protein. Um, the patent will tell you a lot of really interesting things that, uh, is enlightening. The third one is HCL breakthrough. So going back to hydrochloric acid, that's a great one. And in our opinion, to get optimal, optimal digestion, to be able to digest anything, get the max value out of it. It's enzymes, hydrochloric acid, and probiotics. If you have all three with the meal, you can break anything down. And then uh, the, the new one, which we're super excited about, and again, this is a perfect one for all the listeners, is Capex. So it's similar to Massimes, but it has way more lipase. So for those of us that eat a lot of fat, like myself and like yourself, Sean, um, it's the answer. So it's got four different lipases, which will break down the fats, and it has all the mitochondria boosters. So I love it for mental energy and focus. I take it in the morning, empty stomach. And that's the other thing too about enzymes. If you take them on an empty stomach, they have more of a systemic effect, which is different than when you take it with food, which is for digestion. So those are our four bestsellers, and we do have a special promotion for your listeners um, on Capex. So we're just launching it. We have a twenty percent discount if you go to Kenergize.com/human. So Kenergize is energized with a K, K-E-N-E-R-J-G-I-Z-E. Uh, dot com that's a canadian way to say zed uh slash human so cantergize.com slash human 20 percent off of capex and again you got a one-year guarantee so you're covered uh wait anything else you want to add to that
3: well i think we got four other products we have the gluten guardian for people that everybody kind of ranges on the sensitivity less of of how well they break down gluten because gluten contains a uh, basically it's a protein coating that a lot of us have a hard time and the dpp4 uh, is what has been able to demonstrate and scientifically validated to break that product down, uh, to break down gluten. And we have a lot of people who are, I would say on on the the medium, uh, medium and below sensitivity of gluten. So most people have a certain level of sensitivity. Those people found that just life changing. They can go to restaurants. They can have you know desserts or things where they we had major problems before. Uh, I'm not saying you go out and eat you know, tons of bread and sweets and stuff like that. But it, it does certainly have because of the contamination effects. And of course, I have some people on the extreme level who have found that that provides them ex, extra insurance if they go out to a restaurant because of contamination with gluten. We also have a herbal parasite cleanse, which is, you know, I actually suffered from a, a scary parasite event way back in the day. I got a parasite that was literally eating the back of my eye. And uh, it was, I almost lost the eye. It was really scary. And it got me into uh, parasites. And so we cultivated a product. Um, and we're just waiting to get the claims on that one. But uh, a lot of people suffer from ringworms, tapeworms, and stuff. We're going through the approval process on that. But that's been a very big seller for us as, as parasites are becoming. You, you, there's a great book out there called Parasite Rex*. This might be the most frightening book on health. And you can see how many people are probably suffering from a parasite issue that can get that corrected. Uh, we also have another product called ConstiCleanse, which is great for people who are suffering from constipation. It's something that you should only use for maybe a couple of weeks just to get things moving. Again, we're not suggesting that you supplement your way out of a bad diet because usually constipation is caused from an ineffective diet, but it can get things moving as you go through that adjustment phase. Um, so those are the products that we kind of cover, uh, at the moment and, uh, Again, we're, we're, we're testing and experimenting on a lot of other things, and there's going to be some new ones coming out. But that really covers our, our big aspects of our digestive health suite.
0: Awesome. Uh, Matt, I actually did have one other question for you because you brought up in the beginning of the podcast kind of how you formulate your keto diet with a, kind of a seventh-day carb refeed. Uh, how did you kind of come about that? Approach specifically, was that something that was you were coached to try out, or do you just play around with a few different versions and found that that one works best for you
2: so I, I read more di Pasquale's Anabolic diet, but first of all, I was doing Atkins and then I read uh, Dr. Mordi Pasquale with book called Anabolic diet again that was I was sixteen, so that was a long time ago uh, twenty six years ago and yeah, it was a game changer, so he really designed it for bodybuilding so his original protocol was five days of keto and then two days of carb loading. And depending on your metabolism, I was just talking to Connor Murphy the other day. Um, you know, if, if you're a nectomorph, you could probably get away with the longer carb load. Myself, I can put on fat pretty easily, so I just do one day. Um, so that's layer number one. Now, the effects of that, I mean, insulin's incredibly anabolic. You know, not that I've done it, but a lot of pro bodybuilders will inject insulin just because of the muscle growth factor, so you do get a massive insulin spike. you also get a massive growth hormone release because you 're stressing the body and anytime you stress the body, you get a GH release from the carb the amount of carbs in food you 're eating so i 'll go from like maybe a two thousand calorie day average to six to ten thousand on Sundays, and you don 't put on any fat because your glycogen stores are virtually depleted. So the body just sucks the carbs into the liver, into the muscle. You can store, you know, depending on your body weight, you know, maybe 800 grams of carbs. Um, And yeah, you just fill up. So like I'll gain about 10 pounds from Sunday morning to Sunday night and it's glycogen and water. That 10 pounds is gone by Wednesday. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm dual fueled. Uh, so I'm running on ketones and glycogen. And I know that because I've got my Keto Mojo uh, blood monitor. And I'll still be at 0.5 ketones on Monday. So I'm running ketones. I mean, you, you really look your best probably on Tuesdays because you're starting to lose some of the excess water. You still got a little bit of glycogen in the muscle. So that's kind of fun. And, you know, you probably have an extra level of energy running dual fuel for those, for those first few days. Um, then I'm carnivore Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday is a big salad day. Um, and I'm just doing that for phytonutrients and nutritional insurance. And then I usually fast from Thursday night to Sunday morning. So the whole thing is kind of extreme, but you know, that's, that's what I do. And that's what works for me. I, I, I get going back to this sustainability, uh, mentally. I like having a carb day, um, you know, and I admire guys like Sean and I have other friends that just go keto all the time, but, I did that before and I just, after like three, four months, I did not feel my best. In fact, my blood pressure got too low. I went to see a doctor that he measured my blood pressure. If I recall it was like 60 over 95. He said, your blood pressure is way too low. We got to fix, you know, Like whatever you're doing? So yeah, I, I just feel better with some carbs um, once, one day a week and psychologically, I love it. I mean, I love going and, you know, wake up, eat some fruits and make some, uh, you know, very heavy sugar desserts with maple syrup and honey. I still eat relatively clean, but a lot of carbs.
0: Yeah, no, I found it interesting because, you know, when I'm working with athletes and formulating my own approach, I do a a, a low carb approach myself. And the interesting thing is when I'm working with like endurance athletes is just, there's, I find there's a few different ways to kind of do what I would call like a carb drip or a carb sneak where you're, kind of using it more like you would maybe caffeine where a little bit goes a long way. And, and that's one of the ways I've worked with folks to use in the past. And it really just depended on the individual. You know, sometimes I'll get folks who they really like kind of sticking to the parameters of a keto diet and they don't like kind of, you know, altering that too much. So when we do do a carb reload, we kind of do it all, all at once and they can just go back to doing what they were before. It's kind of just like a, a one and done type of setup um, and then the other person that it's kind of worked well for in my experience is someone who feels good doing all the workouts and stuff for say three, four or five days. And then they kind of hit a lull and then you just do kind of that, you know, that carb refeed, so to speak. And then they go back to the keto diet and they feel like they're hitting the workouts again. you just kind of time it based on your, your biofeedback, but, um, cool. Thanks for that description. That was detailed. <laughs>
2: well, there's, there's another key to it too, which is, which you, you don't need to use carbs for this, but it's the calories. So, you know, the worst thing you can do if you're in a massive fat loss cycle is not to do refeeds. Again, you know, carbs optional, but we know, we know that because first of all, there's an incredible research that just came out. It takes about 18 months for the body to recover from a 12 week diet. I'm talking hormonally and anybody who's coached people. I mean, I've, I've gone through that. Wade's gone through that. Um, what happens if you don't refeed? Your metabolism just gets slower and slower and slower. Your body becomes more efficient, and you get to a very dark place where you're not eating that much calories, and you're not really losing fat. And where do you go from there? Do you just you know you know I got to the point at one time I was doing three hours of exercise a day, eating 800 calories. Not a good place to be. Uh, dropped 64 pounds in 14 weeks. Do not recommend that. I was fortunately I was young enough. I was in my t- uh, 19. So I was able to, to rebound, but if I did that today, I'd be wrecked. Um, and what happens a lot of times, people will be hungry. Their ghrelin gets out of control for years. Um, I know one person it's been two years that she's been hungry. And I went through that too. When I, when I got married, um, you know, I was to be in a peak shape for my, for my wedding. And I was already pretty good shape and I really, really pushed it hard and I was hungry for two years and, you know, I ended up gaining I think, 35 pounds. So I think refeeds on a calorie level, that, you know, and carbs is a different thing, but is very important. There was a great uh, research that came out, I think it was also last year, where they took two groups and one group would go two weeks in a calorie deficit, two weeks maintenance and on, so on, so forth. The other group just went calorie deficit for 12 weeks. And the group that would take breaks, had no metabolic drop or very little versus the group that just went 12 weeks nonstop. They had a big metabolic drop. So from that perspective, I think it's a really key consideration is to do refeeds and, and, you know, whether it's once a week for a day or, you know, going off or or going to maintenance for a week for me, one day a week works really well. And, you know, whether it's on a fat loss cycle or a muscle building cycle uh it's a great tool so just wanted to to add that
1: yeah i mean i'm seeing that with a lot of people that i've i've kind of you know worked with a little bit and when we do in, in the context of a carnivorous diet you know they they'll go leaner obviously uh, a little, little caloric deficit and then they'll add back into fat you know the fattier cuts of meat, and that seems to work and they kind of do that cyclically and and then as they get leaner and leaner you you have less of a window you've got to you've got to refeed a little more frequently and uh, and, and most people will say they, they manage to do that relatively comfortable, re- realizing that you're asking your body to do something that is not physiologically normal. You know, we're not supposed to be walking around at 6% body fat. I mean, that just is a place where humans are not supposed to exist, you know, outside of the, you know, <laughs> bodybuilding contests and cover shoots. But I mean, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, I guess the real, the real, Challenge here is to get you down to, you know, 10, 12% and be able to walk around comfortably like that year round. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing and and not be hungry all the time, which I think is sort of the sweet spot there. I think it's still, some people never get there, some people do. And uh, it's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, it's a great goal, I think. And and the thing is, you know, some people, like my friend Ben Greenfield, I mean, he is five, six percent all year long. He obviously has a genetic disposition. And a lot of people that compete in bodybuilding should never compete in bodybuilding because they don't have the genetics to get ripped, to get shredded without damaging their metabolism. And I'm one of them. Like if I, if I try to push myself down to five, 6% body fat, I would have massive, massive uh, problems. And you know, Wade's one of these guys that can get ripped. He has gotten ripped and gotten shredded. And even him, I mean, you know, there's been some, some consequences, um, Mm that, you know, Wade and I talk about sometimes. So, and again, Wade is one of the, the few, that small percentage that can get shredded. And even him, you know, he's suffered. So, you know, think twice about getting on stage shred, ripped and shredded. Is really
0: <laughs> advice. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to come on the show and kind of share your information. If you have anything you want to wanna share, uh, social media channels or anything, that, feel free to do it.
2: Yeah, our website again is bioptimizers.com, and the special promo for KPEX is Kenergize and Energize with the K. dot com slash human. So K E N E R G I Z E dot com slash human, and yeah, try it out. And anybody who's on a keto, uh, paleo, carnivore diet will definitely get a pretty big energetic boost as well as better digestion. So.
3: And think another resource that we have—you go to our main website, BioOptimizers.com. We have a where we have a twelve-week awesome health course, double your energy course, and basically I go into it's five to fifteen-minute videos. We dive deep into enzymes, probiotics, also a lot of the other things that we discovered in our over twenty-five years each. Uh, compare, you know, into the performance world of people that can grab videos and just look at things and get some download. And we always give reference to who we find stuff. We're not the be all and end all it's like here's who we found here's what's producing this result and if you want to dive deeper down that pathway so you can watch it on your phone while the kids are at you know at uh, ballet and soccer and all that stuff and and it's it's a convenient way to get that information when for people in busy lifestyles
1: well thanks so much guys it's been some for interesting information I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to benefit from that i know there's a lot of people in the you know, many people that follow us probably fall more to the keto and low carb side than the vegetarian side. Just to be honest, but I think uh, even for those few sort of vegetarians and vegans that listen, I think there's you know something that you can get some benefit from from all of this. And uh, you know, uh, thanks for coming on, guys, and let us know uh, if you got something new coming out and you want us to talk about it. We'd be happy to. Awesome.
0: Hey, folks! Human Performance Outliers Podcasts is growing. And due to the growth, we are looking to take on some new sponsors. So if you feel like your company or organization would be a good fit for our audience, please do not hesitate to reach out to HPOPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider following us on social media and checking out our websites. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to shoot us an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.